Hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. But having this message, so much burning on my heart. I'm going to lay a foundation, then we'll get to the point that God, the word that God's spoken to me to share with you today. And I know that it's for many, many here that no one knows how you're living, what you're living through, what you're going through. But Jesus knows and He's given me a word to give you. Now, just let you know the CDs and the tapes are available of these messages as I go. And I'm going to read a number of scriptures to you to get to where I want to go. So help me know it's okay to use all the Word of God that we want. It's like when my wife bakes a chocolate cake. I I don't want a little layer of icing. I want a whole lot of icing. I want a little cake and a lot of icing. So I want a lot of Word. Hallelujah. Amen. So just write these down. You won't have to look all this up yet. I'll get you busy in just a moment. But just write this down and I'll read these to you. Write down Romans 12, 21. And it says, don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil with good. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil with good. And that word evil is the word affliction. Don't let affliction conquer you. But you conquer affliction. But what I like also about it, how many of you know, like just as the Father has many names, Jehovah Jireh and El Shaddai and Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. How many know the devil has some names too? And this word here, overcome evil, that word evil is a high name of Satan. It is one of the names of Satan. So you could say not only overcome evil or affliction, but it's also a name of Satan. So it says overcome. Don't be overcome by Satan, but overcome Satan with good. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone, 1 John 5, 4, for everyone who has been born of God. How many born of God children do we have in here this morning? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I love the message translation. Every God begotten. Ooh, the begotten sons and daughters of God. Every God begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Amen. Revelation 2.7 says, To him that overcomes, I will give to eat. To him that overcomes, overcomes, I will give to eat. To the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm keeping the faith and I know you are too. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.34, the message says, They were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrusts, turned disadvantage to advantage, and won battles. Turned disadvantage to advantage and won battles. How many of you know the devil don't play right? How many know he don't play fair, he don't attack fair? How many know there is no mercy in the devil? But at the same time, even in the midst of the sword thrusting and the lions and the fire and all that the enemy would want to try to come against you, the Word of God says that by faith we could take disadvantages and turn them into advantages. The, the devil thought he was going to kill Daniel, but turned it around saving the king. Hallelujah. He could take disadvantages and turn them into advantages. How many of you have been feeling like you have been in a war and you've been fighting? 
Have you been feeling like you've been fighting? How many have been feeling just like, man, I just feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired? How many have just felt like you don't have any fight left in you? Anybody here, you just sometimes feel like, I just don't have any fight left in me. I've done all the laws of the Spirit. I've been faithful. I've been doing everything I can. But how many know the Word of God says in Daniel chapter 7, 23 through 25, that the devil comes to try to wear down the saints? You know, if he can try, if he can get you to grow weary in well doing or doing good, which overcomes the adversary, the devil, and the affliction, if he can cause you to stop doing good, he can stop you from going on and getting your victory and your healing and your prosperity like you're believing him for. He wants to wear you down, wear you out, and there just as many times seem like there's a battle, there's a war, there's just something that could constantly just trying to drain and suck you dry. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians 1.8. 2 Corinthians 1.8. And I just want to show this to you, and I believe it and encourage you. Because if the devil can discourage you, make you feel perplexed, what's happening and what you see in the book of Revelation is the church, one of the churches, it lost its first love. Another church, they grew, they grew weary. They, they got into lethargy. They, they, they just got tired of fighting, tired of standing. And if the devil can wear you out in the process of a battle and a fight, he can steal your hunger and your thirst from the Lord. And even though you desire to read the Bible, you just say, well, not today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like going to church this morning. You know, Sister Minnie's been going through such a battle in her life. She could easily have just stayed home. But she came to church today. And so many others could have just said, well, you know, it's not worth it. And the battle just trying to pull you down and wear you out. You know, you don't need so much church. You don't need to pray so much. You need, you just need to feel sorry for yourself and go in some corner and feel like you're whipped because you are whipped. And, but you got to remember that if God is for you, who and what can be against you? Amen. But I want you to see in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, this is the Living Translation. And I want you to see what Paul does in these next two places we read. We think you ought to know. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Now I have to stop right there. Because I was raised in a movement in the 70s and 80s where you never said nothing negative. If you're going through a battle, you don't tell nobody. If you feel like dying, you can't tell nobody. If you're hurting, you get rebuked. If you ever say, how are you doing? Well, I'm hurting. I'll rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I came up in a movement where everything had to be positive, And I'm not speaking against being positive, And I'm not, I'm not for a negative or for the word. But the Apostle Paul, you know, there's even books and tapes out that says, just get over it. And as the Lord started giving this message to me in my heart, I got kind of upset because the people who write these books and preach these tapes aren't pastors. And they, they, they don't live where you live and go through what you go through. And it's easy for some people just to say, just get over it. Well, go ahead and just go on and get over it. I want you to know that Jesus understands your weaknesses and He's touched by your infirmities and weaknesses. And where a lot of people may be saying, just get over it, sometimes there's some things we're going through that is just not that easy. It's easy for you to tell me to get over it, but you don't know how this is tearing me up on the inside and how I may look like i got a smile on the outside, but I'm bleeding on the inside. And Paul says, I want you to know the truth. 
I've been through some trouble. And a lot of people would be going, boy, Paul's gotten negative. No, I'm just being truthful. I've been through some trouble. We were crushed, overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But, you know, Paul, but as a result of relying on God, who raises the dead, he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again, and we have placed our confidence in him, and, we will, and he will continue to rescue us. I love this in the message. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us. Well, a lot of people would put Paul as a negative preacher. But he's saying, I don't want you in the dark. Because I've been through it even to the point where I wish I was dead. But he rescued me. He will rescue me. And he's continued rescuing me. So I want you to know, I know you may be hurting on the inside and going through a time where you just feel like quitting. But I, don't, I want you in the dark that I've been there myself. And it was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. Were you ever there? We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wills to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since He's the God who raises the dead. And He did it and rescued us from certain doom. And He'll do it again and rescue us. Now, I want you to see as I look this up, Paul is saying, all who want to live godly will suffer persecution. Or in other words, welcome to the front line. If you're going through it, it's because the devil is just mad at you and he knows you're getting ready to do something for the glory of God. If the devil has been coming down hard at you and just been trying to wear you out and make you quit, it's because he knows something's about to happen. He sees something on the inside of you. But this is what Paul is saying. I'm going through something, and I don't understand it at all. This is what Paul is saying. I am going through something in my life, and I don't even understand it. If you would ask me to explain what you're going through and why you're going through it, I would tell you, I don't even have an idea. This is what else he says. I am being pressed beyond my endurance, beyond my ability to handle it. Did you ever feel like you're going to lose it? And I'm going so far as to say, I don't even know why I'm going through this. I am so low, I'd welcome death. You know, Elijah felt that way after he cut off the heads of the prophets. And the queen says, I'm going to do the same thing to you. He took off running. He came under a tree. He says, God, I wish you'd just kill me. I've gone so low, I just would welcome death. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. I love the message. You know for yourselves we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles. But we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do. We're not sure what to do. Have you ever been there? I'm not sure what to do. But we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized and God hasn't left our side. 
We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, He does in us. He lives. Our lives are at a constant risk for Jesus' sake. What makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us? While we are going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. We're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist wrote, I believe, so I said it. We say what we believe, and what we believe is the only one who raised up the Master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory. More and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. So we're not giving up. Look at Jeremy say, we're not giving up. Come on, say it out loud. We're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us that is far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here, today gone, tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Amen. He says we're hard-pressed on every side. This in the Greek means we're boxed in. He says I'm boxed in. Did you ever feel like you were boxed in and you wanted out but there wasn't no way out? I think of the grandmothers. One sweetheart called me yesterday. I think of the grandmothers who are having to raise their grandchildren. They've already raised their kids and now they're having to raise their grandkids. I think of the different ones who's going through all the different situations and circumstances and you feel boxed in. You might be caught in a relationship. You might be caught on a job. Paul says, I know how it is. I feel boxed in and it seems like there's no way out. Perplexed. The word there means don't know what to do. Perplexed. I don't know what to do. Don't mean I'm going to give up. But I've been there and I don't know what to do. And the word struck down means, this is unbelievable. Have you ever been there? Church, have you ever been there? This is unbelievable. Honey, yes, dear, I wrecked a car. Well, does the guy have insurance? Yeah, but it wasn't his fault. This is unbelievable. How could this happen? Honey, I lost my job. This is unbelievable. How are we going to pay the bills? Honey, did you hear? Your brother's getting a divorce. Honey, did you hear? So-and-so left so-and-so. This is unbelievable. Paul says, don't know what to do. I'm boxed in. This is unbelievable. God, where are you? David said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Jesus said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Have you ever felt boxed in? Unbelievable, Pastor. We lost our child. I miscarried. I think of the Chevaliers and so many others I've talked to. They lost their first baby. Boxed in. This is unbelievable. How could we lose our baby? But then God gave them a girl. And now they're having another one. And the way they're going, they'll just keep on having and keep on having. But you lose and you say, this is unbelievable. Donnie and Tiny. So many. Pastor, we prayed. We believed God. How could this happen? Have you ever been a place where you said, this is unbelievable? 
difficulties. I'm suffering. I'm persecuted. I feel rejected. You ever saw Fiddler on the Roof? The guy's horse got lame and he ended up having to pull the wagon and he's singing, God, I guess when you get bored, you decide just to pick on me. This is unbelievable. What else could go wrong? But all these things have a way of working for our advantage. Amen. John 10.10 The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. And he won't play fair, but I've come that you may have life, that you may have life now and have it more abundantly. But the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, and I don't want you to be ignorant concerning him. Look with me an example in Joshua chapter 9. I mean, Joshua was an awesome warrior that took the children of Israel into the promised land. But I want to show you something here. I believe Paul says, I don't want you in the dark considering, I want you to know what I'm going through. And there's something I want to touch on a few minutes before I get into the main subject of what God gave me for this morning. But listen to me. I want you to see something here in Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. It talks about all the kings, and I'm just going to tell you about this first part. In Joshua chapter 9, verse 1, it talks about the five kings on the other side of the Jordan. How they had came against Joshua, and Joshua had already defeated. They heard about what Joshua did at Jericho, and what Joshua did at Ai, and how Joshua had won all these different battles. And, and the kings commanded their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. Come on, let's go in. But look at verse 3. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, look at verse 4, they resorted to deception to save themselves. And I want you to make a note of this. Joshua was a warrior. He, always, he had his sword in hand. He was always ready to go. But listen to me. The kings represents the devil coming as a roaring lion. But the Amorites represent Satan coming as a deceiving snake. The five kings and armies came against Joshua. He defeated them all, put the kings into the caves, sent hornets after them. The kings came out, made everybody step on their heads, marched around the walls of Jericho. Oh, when the devil comes in like a roaring lion, I'm Joshua. I can handle them. But these people came and they got some bread to make it look old and they got some clothes to make it look old and they made it look like they had traveled from a long ways off and they said, we've come to make a covenant with you. Joshua knew the roar of the lion, but he didn't understand the hiss of the snake. And the devil ain't one to come through the front door, let me tell you. And when the devil has come against us many times, we, he knows the roaring lion ain't going to work on Belinda. But I'm going to climb up in the tree and I'm going to tell her what I think I know she wants to hear. I know what she wants and what she doesn't have. So I tell her how to get it and she'll think it's God telling her. If I come in as a roaring lion, I'm going to kill you. She'd say, just try it. So I know better than the roar of a lion, so I come in with the hiss of a snake. And these guys woke up and they said, every army that's attacked Joshua as a lion got defeated. So let's deceive. And the word here is crafty. How many of you ever heard the law first mentioned? Because when something is mentioned the first time in the Bible, 
The law's first mention of Satan is Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. What does this say? And the serpent was more crafty and deceitful than any other beast. And I believe that that is a point we've got to take note of. That the enemy doesn't always come in as a roaring lion, but sometimes he comes in with the spirit of craftiness and deception. And we'll see that over and over in the Word of God. But the law is first mentioned. Satan did not go in the garden as a lion. He went into the place of promise as a serpent, as crafty, deceiving, and lying. And in the last days, the very elect would be deceived. And we're going to see some scriptures here, so we have to be careful here. The word crafty speaks of scheme, difficulties. The word crafty also in Genesis chapter 1 in the Hebrew means to be smooth and subtle. It means to be crafty and clever. The devil wants to stop you and wear you down. He, he's, he wants to come in and just slowly just trick and lie and confuse to make you feel weary and tired so you won't continue the fight and that you just stop. 2 Corinthians, look with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. How I many know oh, this is good preaching? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar. Say familiar. You see, Paul's saying, come on now. You don't want to be outsmarted, but you better be familiar with who you're talking to, who you've been listening to. And you better be familiar about the ways, the craftiness, the schemes, and the ways of the enemy. For it says, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. One translation says devices. The word devices is the word plot. Scams. Advantage to hold the greater portion. The way he thinks. But, 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 but write this down. The word schemes and devices, craftiness, there is the word method. If you look into the Greek, it's very close. The word methods in English and the Greek word is very close. But listen to this. It says, we are not ignorant concerning his methods. But that word methods is where we also get our road journey. We get the word journey. And this is what this word is saying. I will not have you be ignorant concerning the walls, the deceitfulness, the craftiness of the enemy. This is what it's saying. And please listen to this. The devil knows the destination he wants to get to in your mind. Come on. On the tree, he knew the destination of where he wanted to get. He wanted to get Adam and Eve out of the covering, out of the glory, out of the garden. And the way he had to, he could not rush in there as a lion. He could not go through God. He had to be deceitful and crafty. He knew his destination. His destination was not to come against the glory. His destination was to get in their ears, hope that they listen, and his destination was to get into their mind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.4 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it says, it says that we are to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring thoughts into captivity. And this word is saying we're not ignorant concerning the craftiness and the schemes and the cleverness. The devil has the destination and his destination 
is to get to your mind to deceive, to plant thoughts of suicide, death, hopelessness. It means one who has been there before. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. The destination. Ephesians 6.11. It says, Put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all strategies. Say that with me. All strategies of the devil. The King James says the walls. The New English says the schemes. The um, message says everything the devil throws your way. Now listen. We saw pictures last week with uh, Brother Bill Suddeth. And we saw arrows coming down. And when you get out of the covering, the arrows are coming down. But when you look up the word wall and scheme, pay attention to this. It's not like in the movies when you see in these movies bunches of arrows and you, you see pictures of shields full of arrows. And, and you think that when the enemy's coming against you, there's all kind of arrows coming at you. But when you look at that word in the Greek, the word walls and schemes... It's not arrows coming against you. It means the devil has a dart. And he's patient as a hunter because he is a hunter. You don't hunt deer with a machine gun even though you wish you could. You've got to use that rifle and you've got to use that, that um, scope. But the devil has a dart. And listen to me, the devil's just not throwing darts. He don't waste his time. He's been around for thousands of years. And and that word schemes means I'm going to wait till you're down. I'm going to wait till you say it. I'm going to wait till you believe it. I'm going to wait till you act on it. Because you see, as long as you're walking in the Word, you got the armor on, those darts can't go through. But He's just going to wait till He sees a hole. And he got that dart. You don't have darts coming at you all the time. He ain't going to waste darts. He's going to wait till you make the right move. <clears throat> That's all I've been waiting, just to hear you say it. I've just been waiting for you to act on that. And that's that word, walls. I'm waiting for the right moment and the right time. Because when I stick you, I'm going to stick you and I'm going to stick you good. Because then you're going to say, but God, I prayed the armor this morning. Why did you let this dart get to me? I'm going to let you blame God because I got through. Because you let me through. He's waiting his opportunity, his walls, and his schemes. That word, look at 2 Corinthians 11.3. Let me give you another scripture here to show you what I'm saying. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Look what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I fear. I'll let you get there. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. But I fear, least somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds, where's his destination? 
your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. As the serpent deceives Eve with his craftiness, let your minds be deceived. He's praying here. Be on guard. Be careful. The word there means crafty, all working of all kinds of subtle workings. How many of you know, you see on the TV right now all the time, how many of you know Britney Spears wasn't always crazy and possessed? That poor little girl's possessed. How many of you know, as I read a story to you in a minute, these guys who have killed people didn't raise up planning on killing people at school? The craftiness, the darts, one after another. The couple who fell in love and their hearts flip-flopped all over the place when they saw each other. And Oh, I'm going to love you forever and I'll care for you forever. And you're the only girl, the only guy for me. Never got married planning on going through a horrible fighting of a divorce. The subtlety, the things of the devil. But thank God Psalms 91.3 says He can deliver us, save us. And it causes us to escape the snare of the enemy. The snare means the trap. Anything that causes one to fall into danger, calamity, and destruction. Psalms 124.7 says, Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the hunter. The snare is broken and we have escaped. That word escape means affliction and sickness and death. Now, to, hurry, to try to hurry with this last part, I laid all this foundation... And you're going, oh my, you know, you done preached a whole message. Well, that's part one. But I've got to give you the word that God gave me. I've got to give you the word today that God gave me to give to you. And that's the word disappointment. As a pastor, as your pastor... And the people I pray for and the people I talk to, if there is anything that the devil has been crafty and is trying to be crafty with and is trying to get to a destination, it is through the dart of disappointment. Of being so disappointed because I believed God for that raise and I didn't get it. I believed God for that job and, I, and somebody else got it. I was believing God that my marriage was going to be a happy one and, and it's no better than what I saw my parents I thought my children would raise up and I would train them in the way of the Lord and they'll want not depart, but my kids are in drugs. In fact, my child's a homosexual. Time and time again, the disappointments in, in, in lives. I thought I'd, we dedicated these grandkids to the Lord and I thought their mom and dad would stay together and raise these children. But now they're into drugs and now they're in jail and now they're lost and I'm raising these children. And I'm 60, 70, living on a special income. My husband's gone. I'm by myself. I'm raising these kids. Disappointment. And I want to talk as we get to these areas here about areas of disappointment. The word of the, Let me give you the definition of disappointment. Frustration from expectancy. I've expected, I longed for, I hoped for. I expected the best and I got the worst. It's a poison. The word disappointment means the failure to achieve. The failure to achieve or realize for a hope or something hoped for. 
Disappointment can be towards another person, somebody who has hurt you, someone who has lied to you, someone who has betrayed you, someone who has disappointed you. You expected, have you ever expected more from somebody and they let you down? Disappointment. And we've all fought it and we all fight it. Disappointment. And you know I don't usually preach a message on this level of negativity, but the Spirit of the Lord wants His people free. He wants to heal the brokenhearted because we can cover it up all we want to. But when the poison and the destination of the enemy has gotten there, it hurts and we need to bring it out to the light. Pastor, I hurt. I'm hurting. I've said all the confessions. I pray. I fast. But it doesn't cover it up. I'm hurt. I'm hurting. And I'm hurting bad. And if somebody don't help me, if I don't get a breakthrough, I just want to call it quits. The Lord never said for us to fake it. He said for us to be genuine and real. And when you hurt, you hurt. But when you need prayer and you need help, you need prayer and you need help. But disappointment, a poison that produces. Listen to this. Leonard Holt was an old-fashioned company man. He had put in 19 years of hard work at the same Pennsylvania paper mill. When he wasn't on duty there as a lab technician, you could find him in town leading a Boy Scout troop or spending time with his children or volunteering at a local fire brigade. Leonard was an active church member and all-around model citizen, a very caring community. Everyone in town admired Leonard until the day he stuffed two pistols into his coat pockets, drove to the mill, walked through the plant, gunning down friends and co-workers, before the attack had run its bloody course, Leonard had fired 30 deadly bullets and left a number of casualties. The community could only respond in shocked bewilderment and grief. Why would their church leader, their scout master, their loyal neighbor do such a thing? If a man like Leonard Holt was capable of this, who then could be trusted? He took, it took some time to begin to understand the complex puzzle of Leonard Hope's meltdown. Detectives, friends, and neighbors began reassembling the pieces of a life that was tore down and, and, and tore into pieces. Who or what was the demon that had taken hold of Leonard? Leonard? As the people of the town talked and compared notes and put all the pieces together, they saw a picture that had been there a long time. They simply hadn't chosen to see it. There was something beneath all the hard work, neighborly smiles, being a volunteer. They found a demon and his name was resentment. The key puzzle piece was Leonard's job. In 19 years of the meal, he had always given his best. Yet there were men beneath him who had been promoted ahead of him. Nobody had paid much attention to Leonard's feelings. But now, many of the promoted men were the ones buried in the cemetery. Another puzzle piece was provided by Leonard's carpool of all things. Some co-workers had opted out of it because Leonard's driving was reckless and dangerous. Now it seemed clear that they had been something had been eating away at him on the way and back way back and forth to work. And probably all the hours in between and no one had suspected that the demon of bitterness was arising. After all, Leonard Holt was just another face in the crowd. 
but eventually became a face on Time magazine with the caption, Responsible, Respectable, and Resentful. In the book of Great Expectations, Miss Havisham waited for her husband to be married, her groom. Ten to nine. In the book at Great Expectations, ten to nine, someone came with a note and said, as she read, I've decided to run off with another woman. I'm not marrying you. Good luck with your life. She said, time stood still at 10 to 9. She went back to her home, stopped all the clocks at 10 to 9. She closed the windows, and years later, the wedding cake and the food was still partly on the table of what the rats hadn't eaten. She was still in her wedding gown, and she still had her veil, which is now gray and yellow. And she says, the teeth of the rats behind the walls will never be as sharp as the teeth of the hurt and the pain in my heart. Disappointment. Disappointed with others. Disappointed with ourselves. Have you ever been disappointed with yourself? Did you ever say, I can't stop this. I thought I could start this, but I can't stop this. I should be better off than I am. I let you down. How could I be so stupid? I want to get right, but I can't. Or I really wanted to, but I couldn't. Someone said, when we get what we want, we're always disappointed to find out it's really not what we wanted. Did you hear that? We get disappointed. I should be farther along. I should be providing better for my family. I'm so stupid. I never did nothing right with my life. I was a disappointment to my mom and my dad. My dad died and I never got to tell him how much I loved him. Disappointment after disappointment. My kids are in the world and it's my fault. I didn't hug them. I didn't tell them I loved them as much as I should have. I'm the reason that my marriage didn't make it. I'm the reason I never got promotions because I've always, always been a loser and always will be a loser. I'm always the last one. I'm just nothing but a disappointment. I don't even see how God can love me. I don't think God does love me because nobody else cares or loves me. No one ever even wants to listen to me. I am a great disappointment to my life. I have wasted my life. I don't even deserve to breathe the air that I breathe. Because I'm a disappointment. My mother told me I was. My ex-wife, ex-wives told me I was. My teacher told me I was the least likely to succeed. I'm disappointed in me. If we're not disappointed in others, we get disappointed with ourselves. Or we get disappointed with God. And that's where a lot of us Christians battle. Why didn't God heal her? Why didn't God heal that child? Why did we have to do the funeral of a four-year-old, a two-year-old? How could that baby been born still? How could these things happen? How could that girl in church get pregnant? I know that when my mother, my wife's going to be 43 next month. My mom passed away of cancer at 42. And she had all the prayer cloth and all the anointing and, and everything. And when she passed away, I'd get these phone calls. From other pastors, they said, come on, Cobb, let me hear you shout hallelujah. Let me hear you say glory. 
And I needed a shoulder of somebody to cry on. And not somebody tell me, let's hear you shout. So I was only disappointed with my friends. I was disappointed with God. And I told him that. I had a prophet come through when we were in Bible school. He says, you're mad at God. I said, yes, sir, I am. Everybody backed away. I thought I'd be struck by lightning. But I knew, I knew my God. I knew he already knew my heart. And the prophet wasn't saying something I didn't know and God didn't know. Why did you let my mother die? Disappointed at the way things worked out. Disappointed we ought to be farther than that. We, we're going to a conference and we get to this conference and they're, they're talking about all the thousands and millions of dollars and we have enough money to split a coffee and that's it for the whole day. And then when we went back, we had enough money to split a sandwich and eat half of a half of a sandwich. A half of a sandwich split into so a quarter of a sandwich. And Lord, we're serving you. We served the Lord, lived in the jungles, went back to mission school, got prepared. And when we got there, the only two had been on the field, been working for God. Twenty-two churches in the jungle and were handed a toilet brush and said, here's your ministry, the toilet. But we, we practically raised the dead. We, seen witch, we got witch doctors saved. We've seen these miracles. Here's your ministry. Get called and told, come back to the conference. We'll pay your way to Miami. We get to Miami, make it to my mother-in-law's in Bro Bridge. Cody's a baby sleeping in a crawfish box. We don't have no money, don't have a vehicle, and no place to preach. So I start delivering pizzas, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I've been in the ministry for 11, 12, 13 years. And now I'm delivering pizza. God, I'm disappointed. But you take your disappointments and you do like Paul says, I press on. I press on. If I've got to deliver pizzas for a year, the truth is, God, you didn't mess up. I wanted to blame you for me being here, but you never told me to come. I thought you led me here, but you didn't. It seemed the right thing to do. But it didn't work out the way you caused things to work out. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Continue disappointments of inexpectancy. My wife has been, to, when we were married, it was six years before our oldest boy was born. She went to the best of the doctors in Houston. She went to doctors in Central America. Even in the jungle, uh, the Garufanas would come and massage her, the people of the Caribbean and the different things. And she would try this diet and we tried things I can't get into here. And we did anything new we heard, we tried. But for six years, the inexpectancy, her crying, going to class, I'm Three, four women, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And she's wanting a baby with everything in her and she get home and start crying. Rejoices with those who are pregnant, but when is it my turn? Disappointment in the expectancy. And the devil says, I'm going to take you out. 
You won't believe in faith. You won't believe the Word. You won't believe you're ever coming out. I'll cause you to live such a life of disappointment. I'll keep tearing you down strand, strand by strand. I'll tear you down to every disappointment with others, with yourself, and with God. Leaves you nothing left to save or wanted to be saved. Continued disappointment. Every time I try, I end up not achieving any of my goals, and it produces more in expectancy. I believe God to be healed, and I'm not healed. God made a way, and it didn't seem to work out. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to. So I'm frustrated. I'm negative. I'm tired. It didn't work, so I quit. And the devil has a destination. I'll come against you. I'll throw darts at you. I'll work on your mind till you stop having expectancy. Because, listen, church. When we lose expectancy, we get stagnant. And when we get stagnant, we're dead to the Spirit. That's where I got them. They're going to church for Christmas and Easter, and they're going because they just want to be seen. It's the thing to do. They tithe, but they don't believe in the God who rebukes the devourer. I've given, but it hasn't worked. You see, that don't work. I've gone to church and things haven't changed. Listen to me. The thief, the liar, the stealer, the crafty one wants you to believe that nothing you hear is going to work. He wants to continue to tear us down to where I'm not expecting anymore. In fact, I'm not even getting my hopes up because hopes up. Because nothing ever comes to pass anyway. Disappointment. Why try again? It failed last time. It cost me. It hurt me. I'll just stay as I am and that feels motivation. Disappointment produces resentment, bitterness, and frustration. Listen to the Disappointment is the little fox that spoils the vine. Listen to this. Unforgiveness. Is disappointment on how somebody treated you. Envy is disappointment that you don't have what somebody else has. Envy is disappointment that you don't have what somebody else has. Jealousy is disappointment that someone has someone's affection that you want. It's a root. This falls the vine. Depression, despair, disappointment on how things are working out or not working out in my life. Frustration on how it didn't work out. You know, Elijah, he was frustrated. He wanted, he wanted to die. Why, why is the queen threatening me when I've done a work for God? But I'll give you the best example. Naaman the leopard, the general. Here's to go to the prophet. He goes to the prophet. And this is how we are. I'm going to the prophet, and I want the prophet to come out of his door. i got all these gifts. I want the prophet to come out the door, and I want the prophet to lay hands on me. The prophet is going to anoint me with oil. He's going to lay hands on me. He's going to pray for me, and the leprosy is going to go. So when, Eli- so when Naaman the leper gets to the prophet's house, guess what happened? The prophet comes out, looks at him. Don't even get off your horse. Go dip seven times in the river Jordan. And he leaves him. Uh-uh. 
I want you to lay hands on me. Anoint me with oil. Give me a prayer cloth. Who are you to turn your back on me? I said dip seven times. But you've got to lay hands on me. Dip seven times. And that's all I've got to say to you. And the general gets on there. Boy, that's what I get for listening to a slave girl. That's what I get for being told that if I go, that they'll lay hands on me and I'll be healed. That's what I get. And they said, if he would have asked you to kill armies, generals, you would do it. He just asked you, go dip seven times. Come on. Try it. I'm disappointed in that prophet. Well, it's better than being a leper. What you got to lose? And he goes down in that river and he starts dipping seven times thinking, all I wanted was hands on me. And he tells me to come in this muddy water. We got awesome rivers where I come from. And he's telling me go in the Red River. And on the seventh time, his flesh became his baby's flesh. The more ridiculous the things of the word sound, the more expectancy and faith we need to have. It don't have to make sense. It's God. So you press through and you believe God. And when you go through things and you see things and they're trying to disappoint you, you just continue believing because the devil wants you to withdraw. Because if you can get disappointed, you withdraw, you'll stagnate, and you'll be losing the life of giving life to the kingdom because you're withdrawing. Well, you know, this church just disappointed me. That pastor just disappointed me. Those people just disappointed me. And the last church I was at disappointed me. The last four churches I was at disappointed me. Why should I try anymore? Come on, just dip one more time. It may be the seventh time when you get your breakthrough. It may be the seventh church when you finally say, you know what? I'm not worried about how they act or who the, how they treat me. I'm just going to be a part of the body of Christ and nothing's going to shake me from it anymore. Amen, church. disappointment. I tell you one of my things. I've gotten better, but I'll tell you one of my things. You know, when you preach, they say it's like eight hours. I'm sure some of you are saying it seems like eight hours. <laughs> and when you preach and, and you, you're fighting devils while you're preaching, you're praying while you're preaching, you, you, it's just, you put the, just drains you and you're tired and I can have 50 people come tell me, oh, that was an awesome message. Boy, I got something out of it. And I can have 50 people tell me how much they enjoyed it, but it only takes one to come to me and say, I'm going to bring you a tape. Because, boy, I got a tape of somebody who can preach that like you've never heard in your life. Maybe you can get some pointers from it, Pastor, and learn how to preach it. I'll bring you a tape series to help you out because this guy can preach it, Pastor. In fact, you ought to have him come preach it. And I can have 50 people say, I'm getting two copies of that tape. Oh, that was awesome. But it takes one person to come and say, hmm, boy, they sure wasted my morning. And then I get in the car. They didn't care about the 50 for me. It was the one who told me, I need help. And it didn't go too good. And I need a tape series. And I ought to just let somebody else preach it. And I ought to stick to something else. And... I ought to go back to Argentina. What you doing here? And, and I'm there singing hee-haw. Disappointment and agony. Whoa, is me. And I'm driving home and Cindy gets in the car. What's wrong? What's wrong, honey? Well, that was horrible today. I did horrible. She goes, 
what are you talking about? That was awesome. I said, whose service were you in? <laughs> that was horrible. And so-and-so told me it was horrible. I remember the one and not the 50. Of course, I never had 50 come, but I'm just using that. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the one and not the three. But I'm being honest with you. I'm being human. I'm not telling you just get over whatever you're going through. I'm saying, hey, let's go through this together. I'm saying I love you and I'm going to stand with you. And we're going to get the word and we're going to get some answers. And I know you're hurting. And I know the Lord wants to heal those hurts. So let me end with these points because I'm going just as long as Brother Bill did last week. Number one, you've got to realize no matter what you're going through, you still got resurrection life in you. You've got to realize that no matter how disappointed you are, the disciples were disappointed. It says that Jesus, Jesus was, you know, for the joy of the cross. He was betrayed. They ran away from him. No one stayed at the cross but his mother and John. Everybody else left him. Peter denied him in front of his face. He, all different reasons to be disappointed. But he said for the joy that was set before him. Resurrection life is inside of you. Write down Ephesians 1.18 that he is exceedingly abundantly able above all we ask or think to overcome even the very disappointment disappointments in our life. Remember, disappointments tries to come to bring stagnation to our life. Stagnation says just accept what you have, accept who you are, and accept the way it is. But I say no in the name of Jesus we're coming out. Number two, I told you, you press through. Philippians 3, 13 through 14, Paul speaks about pressing through the repeated disappointments one oneself with others, with negative attitudes. Paul says, I press toward the mark. If we're pressing, we're not dying. We are to excel and to succeed. Forget what lays behind. The hard times, the childhood, and the things that hurt us. And just keep pressing forward to the mark, which is the goal, the objective of a dream or a vision. Listen, listen. The mark. Listen, 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 listen. If the devil has a destination in mind, well, listen up. Slewfoot, I've got a destination too, and it's on your head. You've got a destination. Glory be to God. This is my third message. It just hit me. Glory be to God. Right now, the devil thought he had a destination for you. The devil thought he was going to speak to your mind and your heart. The devil thought he was going to bring you down with every frustration, disappointment. Well, hallelujah, devil. You might have had a destination for me, but I got a destination for me too. I got the plan and the purposes of God, and I'm going to press through. I'm going to run. I'm going to make it. No matter what the devil says, I got a mark. I got a mark. I got a mark. I got a destination too. I don't care how bad. I don't how care how long. I, the devil had a destination for me in this wheelchair. I got a destination that I'm going to come out and I'm going to walk and leap and praise God. The devil had a destination that you were going to be dead three months ago with a bad heart. It's gone and you're healed. The devil had a destination. You weren't going to have no more children. Then you had that baby, that baby's dead. But God gave you the girl, giving you another one, and who knows how many more. The devil might have had a destination, but I've got a destination. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I got a destination too. Woo! 
I think I'll preach that tonight. Hey! I got a destination. It's the tomb. You need to see what Paul says. You go read his Philippians later. I got a destination too. It's called the prize. It's called the prize. That word prize means the Zoe life and not a poisoned life. I got the prize. Look at me and say, I got the prize. I press towards the prize. It's not the devil's will. It's thy will, Father, be done. It's not the devil's destination. It's the destination of the king. Let me just read scriptures and I'll end. Romans 5, 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, listen to this. This hope will not lead to disappointment. It's right there in the Bible. This hope will not lead to disappointment. Zechariah 9.12 Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare I will restore the double to you. The word hope there means to attach, to bind together the opening of the prison and jail delivery. Hope means I'm attached to what sets me free. Everyone can have a hope. Hope Lips us above the present circumstance. Hope grows during oppression. Hope does not disappoint. Hope anchors the lover of our soul. We need a weep. We need a laugh. We need to worship. Isaiah 49, 23. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Write it down. Isaiah 49, 23. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Psalms 43, 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise Him again. Psalms 55, 22. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load and He'll help you out. Let's stand up on our feet. Woo! Come on, let's praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory, glory, glory. Now, I want you to shut the lights off and get some music on. And I want you just to be praying.